0: When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. Glad to be with all of you today. Today you've got myself Derek and Steve. Steve, how you doing today? Hey, hey. I'm doing great.
1: I am in Good. Country Music City, USA. I'm in Nashville right now. If you haven't been to Nashville, I would recommend you come here and visit because it's very beautiful.
0: That's cool. You guys visiting family or are you recording?
1: Yeah, I'm recording some of my country music here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my wife's parents live here. That's all.
0: <laughs> nice. Did you ever watch The Tiger King on Netflix? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I shouldn't admit that I watched it because, you know, we're not supposed to watch anything on Netflix because Justin says it's bad. But Yeah,
1: I was reading business books while you were
0: doing <laughs> I really don't watch shows and stuff unless I watch it with my wife because it's, something that we enjoy doing together but anyway we watched we did watch that and he he produced his own music videos but the whole time we watched him I was like there is no way he's singing this because his voice is like almost kind of like lanky and high-pitched and stuff like that and so I looked it up later because I I told Jenny I was like there's no way he's singing this and she said you don't think and I said no way and I looked it up and, and for sure he didn't but you should go watch some of those videos. They're pretty entertaining. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, we have received several questions about acquisitions, about practice evaluations, how to find the best practice. So, we are going to take a few episodes to dive into this topic. And We don't do a ton in this area as far as working with dentists in acquiring a practice. A lot of times we'll be in touch with a dentist as they work toward closing on a practice. And then we generally recommend beginning coaching about 30 days before closing. And that that gives us time to review the financials, staff, policies, and kind of make a plan for transitioning into ownership and, and how we plan to grow the practice. I've taken on a few clients in the last year or two that I've worked with in helping to look at practices and to purchase a practice. I do it on a pretty selective basis. So if you're interested, feel free to email me, but I I don't do a whole lot of it, but I just wanted to share that to share. We do have a little bit of experience there. We're not the end all be all experts in this arena, but we've been through the process each personally of searching for and acquiring Practices and then growing them significantly. And we've helped other dentists through the process as well. So, without any further delay, I have a list of the top frequently asked questions that we receive. So, let's jump into them. You ready for it, Steve? Top 10. Yes, let's hear it. What's the first one? (laughs) Okay, Steve, I'm going to throw this one to you. It's a softball, okay?
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: First question. How do you know when you're ready for ownership? Should I purchase right out of school or should I wait? Should I be an associate for a certain amount of time? What are your thoughts here? Would you recommend ownership right out of school or what is there a timeline that you generally recommend? That was like five questions. (laughs) Yes, sorry. Five softballs to
1: you. They're all softballs, but no, I'm just kidding. I love talking about this topic, by the way. I think I would say... It really depends. You know, that's always the answer. It really depends on the person, their skill set, and their goals, like what they want to accomplish and do. But I would say for most people that are really serious about getting into ownership, I think it makes sense to associate for 12 months first, get out of school, practice in private practice for a year, during which time you can really experience real dentistry dental school is great. We get to learn to work on teeth, but it's just a completely different ballpark. So I think that's a really valuable experience to do that. You get to see the basics of how an office works. You'll get to see what different team members roles are. Hopefully you'll be able to see what different types of practices there are because there's lots of different ones and we'll probably talk about that later. But that first year is really valuable because I think you don't really know what you don't know while you're in school. Also, during this time, you'll probably learn what procedures are profitable and what procedures are a pain. You'll probably learn what types of patients are profitable and what procedures are a pain that you don't like to do. So, your private practice experience here, even if it's a brief window of time, will help you kind of put together in your mind the kind of office and the kind of dentistry that you want to have and do. Then, you know, while you're practicing and getting your hands wet and, and learning these things, you can use your time in the evenings to search out and evaluate different practices. As far as buying right out of school, Derek, you and I did this, so we're probably biased here and I'm really happy with your and my results. So if someone is really gung ho about doing something similar, I think that's great. Power to you. Fortune favors the bold, but it's also important to really know you got to really know your stuff before you jump into it. Like I said, you don't know what you don't know. And, you need to be able to articulate why this opportunity that you have is a great one. What are your specific plans to take over and grow this practice? And if you're not really able to say why that's the case or why it, you know a negative opportunity is not the case, I think you might be rushing into it. It could be a little bit too much right up front. You know, we've both seen examples of people buying a practice too early or especially buying the wrong practice. And they, they find themselves stuck in deep water without, without a lot of good options to really get out. And so we don't want to push people to jump into that when they're not ready. You know, you and I were fortunate to kind of jumpstart our success by buying early. But if you look at the big scheme of things, this is not, it's not a race. You know, it's not how early can you get into ownership. But rather, it's making sure that when you do it, you do it correctly. We want you not to acquire the uh, practice right away, but we want you to acquire or start up for that matter, the right practice and manage it properly, even if it takes you a while to pin down where that's going to be. So that's my softball. But what do you think, Derek? Where where do you kind of fall on this now, early versus, versus later on?
0: Yeah, in general, I agree with everything that you're saying. I've seen a few dentists buy right out of school and have it work out well. And I've also seen a few that it is end up becoming a major struggle. I think you have to go into it eyes wide open, knowing that it is going to be really tough no matter how much you prepare. The big point, though, you are never going to feel completely ready. And there are many decisions like this in life where you're never 100% ready. And that's just the way life is. You won't be ready until... You've gone through it and experienced it firsthand, but that's impossible. So you just have to do your best and move forward. It reminds me of marriage. I think marriage is the same way. I remember before I got married, my dad (laughs) sat me down and he had a talk with me. He was very positive and encouraging with me moving on getting married, but he also wanted to let me know that marriage is full of challenges and struggles. He told me that there would be times that I would likely be in some kind of an argument or disagreement, and I would just have to swallow my pride and and say that I'm sorry and admit (laughs) that I was wrong, even though I might not feel it or exactly understand it. (laughs) So I went into my marriage thinking that. I went into it thinking, okay, I know this is going to be challenge, This is going to be hard, but this is what I want. And we definitely had some struggles early on in our marriage. <laughs> I can think of one time, there's a couple times, but there's one specific time Jenny locked me out of the house. <laughs> we, we had been in an argument and I went outside and she locked me out. Wait, was this when we lived next door to each other? How did I miss that? <laughs> no, we had only been married for a few months. Oh. <laughs> we lived in a small, a very small mother-in-law apartment. It was, it was 500 square feet. It actually was previously a chicken coop that had been converted (laughs) into a house. (laughs) So our, our front door was one of those doors that was, there was a slit halfway up the door. So you could open just the top half of the door. (laughs) How did I not know this? (laughs) This is hilarious. I don't know. Yeah. Our family made fun of us for a long time, but it was cheap rent was 500 bucks a month anyway they got you on the path to Lefkin, texas it started out with <laughs> a group house that's right yeah just to finish the story i went out i went outside jenny locked the door and she wouldn't let me back in and it was cold and i said okay just let me in i'll get my backpack and i'll go to the library the library was my second home at the time well, she opened the door for me and I walked in and I said, I'm not going anywhere. Let's work this out. So I I had to trick her into to letting me in, but we worked it out. <laughs> but the point is that I went into it eyes wide open. I was fully committed, knowing that there would be challenges that would present themselves. And it was the same for me with practice ownership. I knew that there were going to be unknown challenges and and ups and downs. I know everyone's heard me talk about losing 20 pounds in the first three months. And I remember that time. I remember like it was yesterday. I remember having this constant, like little bit of a sick feeling in my stomach. There were mornings that I literally cried before going to work. It was rough, but I knew that I had signed up for this and I knew that I could get the practice to the way that I wanted it, but it would take time. I do have a client right now that he graduated 2019, worked as an associate for a few months and then bought a practice. So almost bought his practice right out of school. And he read a lot of business books. He was very gung-ho in dental school. And he told me recently, he said, I thought I was ready. He said, I, you know, I feel like I outperformed everyone in dental school and tried to learn business, but he's doing very well. I mean, we're, he's growing the practice financially. He's put himself in a good spot, but similar to me, he didn't foresee that it was going to be as challenging as he thought it was. But if you're not in the least bit interested in ownership and you want to be an associate forever, then that's fine. But I can almost guarantee that everyone listening right now is not in that group of dentists. We're all about taking ownership taking ownership of your practice of your life creating the life that you want so when it comes to creating a timeline i agree with what you said i think getting some experience would be good there's a few of us that are just going to go right into ownership and if you go into it eyes wide open then you can benefit from that but in general i think it's great to set a goal of owning a practice within 2 years of graduating. At that point you can get more comfortable clinically and figure things out and I don't know that I don't know that waiting any more beyond 2 years is going to be that much of a benefit to you. Right? Yeah, I agree. Okay, on to question number 2. And these are questions that are in relation to geographic location. So, these are questions like what area should I be looking for practices? Should I focus on rural versus urban? How much should I prioritize living close to family or just moving anywhere? So first things first, there's no right or wrong answer here. Every person in every situation is different. Whether or not you're married makes a big difference. Whether or not you're, you have kids makes a big difference. So Let's talk through some of those questions and see how it might be prioritized. So the first question, should I stay close to family or should I broaden my perspective? Steve, you and I have both looked at this in similar ways, I think. I'll just share how I looked at it and then you can share any thoughts that you have as well. I ultimately wanted to be closer to my family, but I cared more about just finding the best financial opportunity for me. At this point of graduation, we'd already lived away from family during dental school, and we realized that we actually enjoyed the independence that it gave us. We grew a lot, and we learned to really depend on each other. We wanted to be close to family, but we also felt comfortable being away from our extended family. We had each other, we had our kids, and that was what was most important to us. So, when we came to that conclusion, it really opened up our options as far as where we could go. We started out thinking, okay, you know, if we have this radius of driving distance, you know, this is where we're looking at. But then, once we got out of that, something that's like more than eight to 10 hours away where we knew that we would fly, well, at that point, you can pretty much go anywhere in the country because what's the difference between a two-hour flight and a three-hour flight or a four-hour flight? Like, There's not a big difference. So what we decided is that we could make a lot more money if we were flexible on the location and then we could fly home when we wanted to. And that made us feel like we could have a compromise and get a bit of the best of both worlds.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Similar. And this is a huge decision that I think Dennis. they really need to look kind of deep to try to figure out what they really want. As Dennis, we want to make a lot of money and have a strong financial aspect of our life. But I think it's good here to kind of step back and define just your life goals first, and then your professional goals second. So you kind of mentioned it. If, if you're single, and you want to be married, and right now you live in the city, moving out to the sticks or some faraway place probably isn't worth that extra income. You're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse here, unless you want to marry someone in the sticks. And then I guess that would be like a great setup, which is cool too. But
0: nice, yeah,
1: you know, you and I, we both had our families started. So we had some of these life check boxes marked off. So it's, it was easier for us to move, but still it just depends on what you value most. So, I think it's going to take a lot of some deep talks with your spouse, you know, about what's best for your family. If you look at an area, imagine what your life will look like living there. What do you see yourself doing 50 weekends out of the week in this city or in this area? If you have kids, you know, what are the opportunities available in this place for their kids? Do they match up with what you want your kids to have? And the answers are going to be very different for different people because you and I have different tastes and people have different tastes or values of what they want their kids to grow up with. So there's no right or wrong answers, you said, but whatever you do, just make sure the decision is yours, right? I mean, there's nothing worse than being in a place that you don't want to be and then second guessing your decision and then life's suddenly miserable. So just make sure that the decision is yours and do it for reasons that you like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good thoughts. Okay, next part of this question has to do with should I go rural or urban? And I think the last few years, we've heard a lot of dentists saying, if you want to be more successful financially, you need to go rural. Again, this depends on what you prioritize. If you're young and single, it may be a higher priority for you to be in a more urban area. I read a a newsletter from a broker recently. And she said that nine out of 10 dentists that she's working with to find a practice want to be within 30 minutes of an urban area or a metro area. So based on that, most people are are going to want that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's talk through kind of some of the pros and cons here. So, I mean, based on just what I told you about the information from the broker, I think everyone would agree that practices in urban areas are in higher demand. So you will probably pay more for a practice in an urban area compared to a rural area. But even a bigger factor than that is what I believe is is your competition, in an urban area your competition is going to be much greater than many rural areas examples of this are here's a few of things that i'm that i'm thinking in in an urban area you're much more likely to see things like more offices that are in network with more insurance companies so possibly lower reimbursements extended hours so are you going to be comfortable offering extended hours or more competitive advertising. There's some areas where doing a mailer and and newspaper gets a lot of results because dentists are not advertising very much. But then there's other areas where people are getting mailers every single day from different dental offices. So as I've spent time reviewing financials of hundreds of dental practices, I can confidently say that in general, practices in rural areas are going to be a little bit better situated. And in turn, those offices in rural areas also have a lower overhead. Now, I say all this to say that there are trends, right? So, I mean, we're looking at all of these and trying to compare here. But at the same time at TLP, we are all about choosing the life that you want and going out and getting it. If you have a specific location that you really want to practice and you want to live, you can go there and you can make it work. It may take more blood and sweat and tears than other areas, but you can do it. Like I said earlier, you just need to be aware of that going into the situation. Have your eyes wide open. You don't want to go into that type of situation thinking that you're going to coast into success and achieve your desired lifestyle. You need to have a game plan. You need to know your competition. And if they offer extended hours, are you willing to do that? Or... Are you going to find different ways to outperform them and to be better? How will you be better? How will you treat your staff better? Lead your business better? Treat your patients better? So again, you can make it happen wherever you want to, but either way, you need to have a plan and you need to be committed to it.
1: Yeah, really good points. And, you know, I think the rural to metro question, there's also it's you can kind of look at it as a spectrum too. you know, there's not just a metropolitan area or a farmland type setup, you know, you can live in a city with a Costco and still have the advantages of less competition, but still be around other people. So I think the sweet spot is going to a mid-sized city rather than metropolitan. For example, Oklahoma City, if you... Did a bunch of demographics all around it, you'd probably find a lot of opportunity rather than Austin, Texas or Omaha rather than Chicago. Albuquerque, New Mexico is a decent sized city compared to San Francisco and the competition there. So maybe this is just my opinion, but I think mid-sized cities, while they're not the epicenter of art and culture, they're usually big enough to give you and your family some of the benefits of being in a big population and yet, you still have a lot of professional opportunity. In my city, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, it's a mid-sized city, and I would say you know it's moderately competitive here. But it's not like L.A. or New York. In my family, we can still have all the the things that we enjoy. You know, we've got all the sports, all the sports programs for kids, music lessons, you know, private schools, whatever we really want to do, it, it's available to us. So there's kind of a, a middle ground there. And also, you know, even in really big cities. Where there's a lot of competition, there are, if you look hard enough, usually some spots in the newer developing suburb type areas of these cities where you can, if you find a good demographic and a killer location, you can do really well. But like you said to your point, Derek, all that said, you know, you're right about making it happen where you want. It might be more difficult or it may take longer to build, but the truth is, there are people in that area who are likely knocking it out of the park, even despite the competition. And if they can, why can't you?
0: Yeah, great points. And I think one thing that you and I have talked about in the past is being more flexible in the beginning and seeking the best financial opportunity. I mean, you're not committed to a lifetime there. So, if your priorities change or if you decide something else, at that point, that can really open up a lot of options if you've worked hard and put yourself in a good position.
1: Yeah. I almost look at it sometimes like medical students, they do their residency or like even dentists, like an oral surgery residency where you go out and you're in a faraway place for four to six years, and you put all the work in, but you get to reap the benefits from it later on. It's almost kind of like that, as far as moving away to a really strong financial opportunity and just kind of crushing it for those few years. And you'll kind of reap the the rewards from it later on for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a wise way to look at it, too. Okay. The next part of this discussion is what about comparing different states? Does the state that you're in make a a big difference? So I looked up a few different things and, you know, I've had kind of feelings along these lines and I think you have too, Steve, but I kind of found something to back it up. There's a council called the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. And they have taken a bunch of different data as far as looking at policies and taxation in different states to compare them. You could basically look at how all of those different states are ranked. So they have kind of two different categories here. One is they've ranked it based on their policy environments. And then the other one, they base it off of the small business tax index. And a lot of these states are in common with both of these, but the top 10, as far as tax friendly are first, Texas, South Dakota, Nevada, Wyoming, Florida, Washington, Ohio, Colorado, Alaska, and Alabama. Those are the top 10. In contrast, the worst 10 states, as far as tax system for small businesses are very last starting in place 50, New Jersey, and then 49. California, then Hawaii, Minnesota, Iowa, Vermont, New York, Oregon, Maine, Connecticut, and Nebraska.
1: If you live there, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting to look at things that are in the news and everything with stuff going on in different states and policies and, and everything like that. So that's, I mean, definitely not the end all be all, but I think it's something to take into consideration if you're looking at a very broad view of the map.
1: Yeah. You know, interestingly, I I wonder if you could compare like fee schedules for insurances in those states. I wonder if those higher tax states probably may have stronger fee schedules. I don't know. Either way, though, I think you're right. You know, there's ultimately there's opportunities everywhere. And one can make a general rule that states with lower taxes and less red tape are easier to run a business in. One thing that I didn't consider a few years ago when I bought my practice was state income tax. If you are living in a state with a high income tax and you have a practice with strong cash flow and a larger take-home, your state income tax can be pretty substantial. So if you're in a state that has 7 or 8% state income tax, you can just kind of think of all the lost revenue, 8% of your income. That's the same as an entire month of work. So. If you compare that to a tax-free state, basically, you could give yourself a month off each year in terms of income. And, you know, there are some states that have 10% income tax. So it's something to consider. As far as competition goes, you can make the generalization as well that states along the coasts, east and west coasts, have more competition. And states in the middle of the country, you know, the heartland, the Midwest, there's less competition and more opportunity. So generalizations, but something if you're kind of looking in a really broad 30,000 foot perspective, some things that may help you kind of narrow down more or less your, your search net areas.
0: Yeah, interesting you bring that up because, and I was wondering about that, but when you those states that I listed off, as far as being the best, as far as tax and policy, many of those that are in the top 10 also have no state tax in those states. So yeah, that's interesting. So again, to wrap things up here, all these things should be taken into consideration. I would say that it really just comes down to prioritizing things. How badly do you want to be in a specific area? If you want to be in a specific area really badly, that's fine. You just have to know going into it that you're probably gonna have to put more work into it to achieve similar results as some other areas with possibly less effort. So, we only got a few questions in to this one, but I feel like this is really good conversation to be having. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this and we will continue on next week with bringing you more content and questions to consider when you are looking at purchasing a practice and creating your own lifestyle practice. Have a great week guys and we will see you next time. All right. See ya. the top Uh, jump without a net never break a sweat cause i live my life like it's all Uh. i got